It's derby time. Come on, tell your friends. We'll go to many distant lands. With Dan the coach and Jackie the skater, the fun will never end. It's derby time. Welcome to the Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. This is Jackie Bauer. Thank you for joining me today on the path to becoming better athletes, teammates, leaders, and human beings. Welcome back, team. Can I call you team? Are you my my extended team during the extended off-season? I like to think maybe we can all be on the same team. That would be fun. Because teammates help each other. Teammates lead each other. Teammates are there for each other. I like to think of maybe the listeners of this podcast maybe are just one big roller derby team. That'd be pretty cool. That's at least what I'd like to think about this week. This is going to be the last basketball episode for a while. I promised you I had one more in me, and this is only going to be a one-parter because this is the last part of Phil Jackson's book, Eleven Rings. And there are good stories in sports, and there are great stories in sports. The Chicago Bulls story, that was a great story. It had everything It had people you wanted to root for. It had conflict and drama and challenges and overcoming challenges and goals and achievements and just a little bit of everything. The story of the Lakers is a good sports story. It doesn't grip me emotionally quite as much as the Chicago Bulls story. I'm only going to be focusing on the first season that Phil Jackson coached them and not the rest of them, because I find that one to be the most dynamic and the most relatable to roller derby. So I'm going to tell you about this story about the dynamic between two players in in particular. And then we're going to spend a lot of the last part of this episode talking about roller derby, the age old question, should it be fun or should it be serious? I'm sure this is something that has come up in your league. You're probably nodding along with me like, yes, Jackie, yes, this is still a thing with my league. So don't worry, we will get to it. So first, let me just tell you a little bit about a basketball team called the Lakers. After Phil Jackson coached the Bulls, later on, he was offered a job with the Lakers. And the Lakers were a stage three team. Last week, we talked a lot about the stages, and this was the I'm great and you're not stage. And Phil Jackson really wanted them to get to the stage for we're great and they're not stage. This team never got to stage five, as far as I can tell. The key was he needed to get the team to trust each other and move from that me to we. And that was really, really hard, Uh, especially because like, 
Los Angeles and California, it's just a little bit of a different vibe. There's a lot more celebrity, a lot more public scrutiny, a lot more worrying about what's being said about you in the press. So there are just other factors that are even more distracting to that team in that time period. Two major players were on this team, Kobe Bryant and Shaquille O'Neal. I think it's really fun to contrast how these players met their new coach, Phil Jackson. Kobe dropped by Phil's room and asked him to sign a copy of Sacred Hoops, which is another book that Phil Jackson wrote. He's a big Bulls fan. And then they just chatted about the Bulls for a while. So it's we've got a studious book reader over here coming by, sign my book. Shaq dropped by Phil Jackson's house where he quickly found a really good time jumping on a trampoline in the backyard, doing backflips off the dock, and joyriding on a jet ski. He told Phil, we're going to have a lot of fun, coach. You see where I'm going with this? (laughs) Now, young Kobe Bryant, young Kobe Bryant, I think he's maybe 21, maybe less than 21 at this point. I'm not quite positive, but he was one of the most creative shooting guards ever. And he had moves that were comparable to the player he admired the most in the world, Michael Jordan, and had this intense desire to win, wanted to drive through the middle and dunk. And like many younger players, he tried to force the action instead of letting the game come to him. Shaquille O'Neal was one of the most powerful players in the game, just had a size and athleticism that few could match. So it was just very hard to defend against him. It's very hard to do anything against him unless you got him to the foul line, which was an area that he famously had more struggles with over the course of his career. Phil Jackson comes in as a coach. He noticed the team had short attention spans. And so he started them on meditation and Tai Chi and yoga, all the stuff that he tried with the Bulls. And with the Bulls, the key to all this was he wanted them to find more awareness. But with the Lakers, he really needed them to have increased focus and bonding together because their minds were just going every which way with so many distractions. There were so many things to think about in Los Angeles. He met with Shaq, another player, Ron Harper and Kobe Bryant, and said, hey, this is going to be Shaq's team. The offense is going to run through Shaq. Kobe will be the floor leader. And then he made Ron Harper the co-captain because he didn't think Kobe was ready. And he asked Harper to mentor Kobe on leadership. And he didn't quite get to try out this plan because Kobe got injured pretty early. He injured his right hand. And then uh, so the team goes out there. They're playing the triangle offense, the same strategy that he used with the Bulls. And the team played against Scottie Pippen, who's now on another team. He's on the Trailblazers at this point. And Phil asked Scottie, hey, what do you what do you think of the team? What do you think of this new team I'm coaching? And Scottie said, I think your triangle looks more like a square. <laughs> when Kobe returned from his injury, offense didn't run quite as smoothly because Kobe had trouble working in the triangle and he often went rogue. He annoyed his teammates because he didn't want to work in the system. He had a different background than a lot of the other players because he was raised in Italy. He grew up really young, just spending a lot of time in the backyard, training for long hours, watching tapes 
of basketball their relatives would send him from the U.S. And he really wanted to surpass Michael Jordan as the greatest player in the game. He had some really ambitious goals. He wanted to win 10 rings. And uh, when he met Michael Jordan, he said to him, you know, I can kick your butt one on one. And he didn't spend a lot of time with his teammates. He didn't bond with them. He hung out in his room watching footage or, you know, talking to old high school friends on the phone. Because remember, he was drafted out of high school. He was brought into the NBA at a very young age. And that was a lot more unusual at that time than it is now. And he's stubborn and he's confident. And you, you couldn't just point out what he needed to change and ask him to adapt. That's just not his style. That's not his learning style. For Kobe Bryant, he kind of needed to experience failure directly before he'd listen, which is excruciating for everyone around him. But then the light bulb would click on. When I heard about this part of the story, gosh, it's so familiar I feel like sometimes I have been so stubborn and so just bullheaded in my my like uh, tunnel vision pursuit of what I'm trying to do sometimes that people tell me I need to do things, usually my coach, who is my husband, which makes it complicated. And so I don't listen and I don't listen. And then, yeah, sometimes I do need to fail before I'm like, oh, yeah, this thing. And then he's like, oh, that's the thing I was trying to tell you. (laughs) But uh, Phil Jackson had to learn something over time with how to work with uh, Kobe Bryant. If you're a coach out there and you have a player like this, somebody similar to this, it helps to do three things for this personality type. One, dial back the criticism and give positive feedback. It sounds silly sometimes. Sometimes it feels like this player doesn't need that, but they actually do. They do. Two, don't embarrass them in front of teammates. Sometimes calling somebody out in front of everybody, it makes them kind of uh, double down or just kind of harden their resolve even more because they don't like being embarrassed. And three, the things you want this player to do will work a lot better if you make them this player's idea. If you can find a way where it was their idea to make the change because of their style, because of their personality, it's a lot more likely to sink in. But at this point in the first season, Phil Jackson is still learning how to coach this team and noticing the differences between this team and the Bulls. There's a story of a day they all got together for a team meeting and they were looking at footage as a team. And Shaq and the other team leaders sat in the front row. Kobe sat in the back with his hood up. Phil told the team, hey, you can't be a selfish player and expect this offense to work. Shaq, captain of the team, spoke up and said, I think Kobe is playing too selfish to win. And other teammates voiced their agreement. And in a quiet voice, Kobe said he cared about everyone and just wanted to be part of a winning team. And the coach worried about the effect of that meeting on Team Harmony. And sure enough, they lost four out of the next five games. And the players blame one another for the breakdown. So now the coach has to come in 
and figure out what needs to change. First, he met with Shaq one-on-one to talk about what it means to be a leader, shared some stories of Michael Jordan's journey, which you've heard already in previous episodes. He felt like Shaq needed to find a way to inspire his teammates with his confidence and his joy of the game so that his teammates like Kobe would want to come along with him. And he told them a team leader's number one job is to build up teammates, not tear them down. So there's definitely moments where, you know, honesty is needed. Sometimes blunt honesty is needed, but maybe that shouldn't come from this person. Maybe that should come from someone like the coach because as your teammate, you, you need to build up your teammates. He talked to Kobe separately about leadership. He said, I suppose you'd like to captain this team when you're older, like maybe 25. Kobe said, I want to be captain tomorrow. And Phil told him, you can't be captain if nobody follows you. That's another moment where it just makes me think of roller derby. There are people who feel like they know everything. They know how to lead this team into the future. But if nobody wants to follow you, if nobody wants to come along on that journey with you, what good is it going to do that you have this title? So that message finally started to sink in and Kobe tried to fit in more with his teammates and play collaboratively. And he made more efforts to socialize. And the team went on a 27 and one streak. See what a, a little, a little bit of harmonization can do. <laughs> and they finished the season with the best record in the league. Kobe's attitude had been this landmine they all been trying to edge around and avoid. But the coach was the one who eventually stepped on it. The coach kind of had to be the bad guy. And he took on that responsibility so that the team could gel. He took that on so the team could develop better. Now, as the Lakers went into playoffs, in past years, playoffs was really tough for them. They would lose patience. They would let the pressure get to them. Fear and anger would build. Panic And so Phil Jackson sees, okay, I have to demonstrate calm on the bench more for the Lakers than the Bulls because this team already has a tendency to do this. This is already kind of their go-to feelings under pressure. And he told them, play to win, don't play to avoid losing. And they were doing pretty well, but then in the second series of playoffs, the Lakers in game four, after they had won three game, the first three games, game four, they let the Phoenix Suns score 71 points in the first half. Now, if you're unfamiliar with basketball, both teams in a close game will probably score around 100 points. So 71 points in one half, that is looking to be a pretty lopsided game. Phil let the players sulk in the locker room until the last two minutes of halftime. And then he storms in and he threw a bottle of gator load against the wall. He really wanted their attention. <laughs> but they lost it anyway. <laughs> so that tactic wasn't so great. And he tried a gentler approach after the game. And he said, you know what? You know, basketball, it's a really long season. You're all a little tired of each other and you don't want to work as a cohesive unit. That makes sense in a long season. But to win a championship, 
you have to match each other's energy and the energy of your opponents. You have to figure out how to win every night you go out there. And then they went on to win that series. And then that year, the Trailblazers were the team to beat, which had Scottie Pippen on it, who knew how to disrupt the triangle offense. And the coach tried to let the players problem solve and figure it out on their own, but it was a tough series and it went to a game seven where anything could happen. What was interesting about this game was a weak point in Shaq's all around gameplay was um, anyone who did like high screen rolls, those worked on him because he wasn't comfortable with changing his position on the court. And Shaq has a personality type where he can find himself in danger of a downward spiral of self-defeat, particularly in big games. He can lose confidence in himself. And this time, he saw what they were doing and he took on the challenge. He did the thing that made him uncomfortable, the thing he wasn't completely good at, but he needed to defend against and started leading the defense. And the Lakers went on a 25 and four run in points. And then when the Lakers were up by four, Kobe drove to the hoop and instead of taking the shot, passed it to Shaq, who dunked it. So finally, these two players who are very different personality wise came together and this pass symbolized how far they had come since the team footage review meeting and they put the series away. And then the final series was against the Pacers and uh, they won is the short version of that story. And after the game, Shaq hugged Kobe and called him his big little brother and they won their first championship. So the same strategies that this coach used with the Bulls transformed a very different team into a winning championship team. And once Shaq and Kobe realized how much they needed each other, they found synergy. Now, I wish the story ended there, but it doesn't. Winning a championship can change you, and personalities can clash pretty hard, and that's what's going to bring us to that age-old question, having fun versus being serious. And we're going to talk about that more after this break. Roller Derby Athletics provides high-level coaching to derby athletes worldwide. They've been the leaders in home-based roller derby cross-training for over seven years. They offer team training plans to support your league. RDA wants to help teams keep working together toward their goals. Membership is now open year-round, so you have access whenever you need it. You can sign up for the Essential Plan, which is great if you prefer to do workout plans on your own, at your own pace. You can choose from a huge library of derby-specific workouts. If you get stuck, there are instructional videos that can help you understand the exact moves you need to get maximum results. There's also the MVP plan, which is perfect for the derby athlete who enjoys additional coaching. This plan is personalized to your needs and can help you reach your goals a lot quicker with the help of RDA's Skater Success Coaches. You can follow the workout calendar and drag and drop it to fit your schedule and get access to all the boot camps and group fitness challenges for free. My favorite group challenge is 
Sun's out, fun's out, because that one helped me get to my first pull-up ever. And I love that the workouts don't take up a ton of your time. They're short and effective. Roller Derby Athletics offers a ton of derby-specific workouts that will help you to be stronger and faster on the track. And it's all provided to you in the palm of your hand in an easy-to-use app. RDA wants to keep everyone safe, strong, and unstoppable. Get started on your fitness journey today. Visit rollerderbyathletics.com plans to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Bout Betty's, the only roller derby subscription service in the world. They offer a range of levels, so you're sure to find a pack that fits in your budget. So whether you're wanting derby enamel pins, comfy athleisure clothes, or sturdy workout apparel, they have you covered. As for me, I super love the apparel. You may have noticed how often I wear it when I make videos for our Facebook page. The leggings, shorts, and sports bras are amazing. The material is ridiculously silky, smooth, and soft. The first time I pulled on my leggings, I could not stop touching my legs and asking friends to touch my legs so they could feel the magic that is this material. And it's so darn cute. There's mermaids, dinosaurs, cats, and many fun new designs coming your way. Whether you're hitting the track, skate park, gym, or grocery store, you will turn heads and bring joy to those you meet. They offer sizes small through 3X and leggings are bout tested and derby durable. Subscribe today using our podcast promo code POWER10 for 10% off your first pack at boutbetties.com. It's like derby Christmas every single month and yes, they do ship internationally. So what happened? What happened to this team? Well, Kobe and Shaq, Shaq and Kobe. Shaq is this fun-loving guy who just loved the game. Shaq is more interested in getting you to laugh at his jokes than winning the scoring title. And even though he won like all the MVP awards the season before, uh, if he wasn't having fun, he didn't want to be there. That's just his way. Some players, having fun is the most important thing about pursuing their sport. You gotta have fun. Meanwhile, Kobe, he worked his butt off all offseason. He said that he put up 2,000 shots a day and he had a really good percentage shooting from the field of shots going in. He had new moves, but when he came back, he didn't work with his teammates. He doubled the number of shots he took and this upset the team, especially Shaq, because he felt like Kobe didn't trust them anymore. And the year before, Kobe had been so excited to learn the offense that led Michael Jordan and the Bulls to victory. But now he kind of wants to do his own thing. He wants to create. He doesn't want to follow. And he isn't as interested in following Shaq. So these two buttheads and buttheads, because Shaq needs to have fun and Kobe needs to be serious, and they don't understand each other. I see this all the time in roller derby. This is like one of the biggest points of contention in roller derby on every team I've seen. Are we here to work hard and be serious, or are we here to have fun? The interesting aspect of this is roller derby isn't a professional sport. And we don't know if it ever will be. It's an amateur sport. 
It is something we pay to play. So arguably, we should be enjoying ourselves and having a good time. But at the same time, it attracts so many very achievement-driven people, people who have goals and really want to do something that they feel is particularly significant before their roller derby career is over, whether it's their personal journey or taking their team to new heights. And these two often clash. It's often there are players who want to be super serious and work hard, and there are players who really just want to have fun. And the second it stops being fun, they don't want to be there. They don't want to put in the work. They stop coming to practice because it's not fun anymore. Let me see. When I come, when I think back over my career, my first team had a lot of tryhards on it. And it was a pretty serious team. It was a pretty work hard, serious team. And I was a pretty work hard, serious person. So I fit in well into what that team was. And for the most part, I felt like the majority of people were really on board with that. I didn't feel like I had a lot of close friendships on that team because we were all too driven on our mission. The famous statement often said by one of our captains was, not here to make friends. And that was the attitude of that team. And I rarely spent time with the team outside of practice. I had a small group of people that I carpooled with who were local to me that I was a little closer with and spent some more time with outside of practice, but everyone else, not so much. Not really. The second team was, again, pretty driven, but they really needed to have fun too. And by have fun, I mean hit each other. And if we weren't doing hitting drills at practice, they were like, what's the point? I come here to hit people because I have a lot of frustration and rage in my life and I need to be hitting all the time. So any any practice that didn't have hitting or scrimmage, they were like, what's the point? They didn't uh, love doing anything that wasn't that. And that wasn't everybody on that team. I'm just making a broad generalization of there were more people of this personality type on that team. My third team was the most interesting team for exploring this fun versus work dynamic because this was the team that taught me how to have fun in roller derby. Everywhere I went, I had to be the hardest worker there. I was working out in the gym before practice, then coming to practice and just completely like running myself into the ground because I had goals and I had things I wanted to do. And they were all looking at me like, you could stand to lighten up a little bit. (laughs) They had had some great successes the year before. And I was wondering, how did they get there? Because it seemed like all they did was have fun at practice. But they actually had at that time, like a comfortable mix. And it's really hard to find that balance. Leadership changed over a few times as People who started that league had to step away and do other things. People were coming and going. New leaders had to come in. And we lost the balance. We lost the balance. And when the balance was lost and we started gearing more towards driving and being a hardworking team, we started losing people. 
We started losing people who genuinely only came here for fun and they weren't getting enough fun anymore. So what happens when they're not getting enough fun? Well, they might not show up to practice or they show up to practice late. At this time, I had been assigned the position of team trainer. So before every practice, I was putting us through some kind of rigorous team training workout off skates or on skates together. And people were straight up skipping it, which really hurt my feelings. And that's why I never took on a position like that again, because I I didn't like the rejection. As time went on, I learned, like, I really had to find ways to make this more fun. Anything I could do to make these workouts more fun. So I was thinking, okay, Anything with a partner where you can have fun talking to each other and laugh and enjoy what you're doing while you're working hard. Anything that maybe has a silly element to it. A dance workout. Like I really tried to be as creative as possible to bring the fun back into things. And you eventually find that balance again, especially if you let people know what the expectations are over the course of practice as a leader. If you're a coach or a captain leading practice and you tell everyone, okay, first off, we're going to be starting with some vegetables, which are endurance drills or skill drills. We got to eat our veggies and then we can have dessert, which would be really fun strategy sessions, scrimmage simulations, uh, jam sims, anything that feels a lot more derby-like. And then maybe we would end practice with a drill that's a game, kind of a fun game that lets us use the skills we've been working on during this practice in a way that's fun and competing against each other. And before you know it, we're laughing and having a good time. And that's how you find the balance. No matter what, you will never satisfy everybody in your league 100% 100 of the time. Some people will want to be 100% serious. Some people will want to be 100% fun. And finding a, a way to make these two work together can be really challenging when you want to please everyone, but know you can't please everyone all the time. Finding that balance, it's so hard. On the team I'm on now, I actually, I really love the balance There are a lot of tryhards, and I think that we are kind of a really good balance. I would say 65 to 70% work hard, be serious. We really want this, and we're self-motivated enough to, we're going to come along with you. We're going to follow you, coach. We're going to follow you, captains. We're eager to do the things. And then maybe, I don't know, 25, 30% let's have fun while we do it. We enjoy each other's company genuinely. And one of the ways we keep practice fun is we've got a really hopping pop music playlist. (laughs) So even when we're working really hard, we'll hear some song come on from the 90s that reminds us of our youth and have a laugh and a dance and a singing along and having a good time. So while I tell you that it is absolutely possible to find this balance, Sometimes that can be really hard. I can't even tell you how many team meetings I've been a part of where the subject of fun versus seriousness 
is the main focus of the meeting where we're trying to figure out what direction our team is going in. This has come up repeatedly on every team I've been a part of. So I know this is a part of your life too, a part of your team. The direction your team heads in will be the direction where you can get the majority buy-in because man, that compromise, that balance is really hard to find and it's really hard to keep and it takes a lot of finesse from your leadership. And sometimes your team wants to drive itself all the way to the Hydra. And if so, good for you. You can work hard, you can kick butt, and maybe you get there. And sometimes your league decides, you know what? There's so many of us that are just here to have fun. We want to be a rec league. We want to be a recreational league. We just want to do this for fun now. And that's okay too. I'm not saying either of these is a wrong answer. These are all good answers. I am saying it is possible to do both, but it's hard. And it takes a lot of people working together to make that happen. And sadly, what happened in the Lakers story was eventually one of the players was traded away uh, so that the player left behind could try to embody being the star of the team. And the Lakers didn't win another championship for many years after that, while that player had to learn the hard way about leadership and try to get there on their own. And that's why I focus on the fun part of the story, which is that first season where it all comes together and everything was new and shiny, because we've all had that experience too, that one season where everything clicked and it was great. But sometimes after winning, the egos start to come back and so-and-so maybe wants to be the star of the team or so-and-so doesn't want to work with this other person anymore and doesn't understand why this person doesn't work as hard as they do. Why doesn't this person do all the workouts I do? Why doesn't this person do footage review like I do? Why don't other people put in the amount of effort that I do? Why doesn't that happen? Why don't people want this as much as me? Why don't people take this as seriously as me? And then on the flip side, hey, I came here to have a good time. This is a sport. As far as I know, I think sports were invented to have fun. Hmm. Yes, that sounds possible. That sounds highly, highly plausible. <laughs> and if you're not having the fun anymore, you don't want to be there. If other people like you don't want to go to practice for people to yell at you. Maybe people at your job yell at you and you don't want that at practice. You don't want to go to practice, have people get in your face and tell you you're not doing enough when maybe you actually are giving it your all and doing everything you can possibly do and you are trying your best and it can be really hurtful when other people don't see that and don't understand your struggle and the extra challenges you have in your life just to get there and you know, maybe it's finding childcare for your children or taking an, a public transportation and your car broke down and you don't have the money to fix it right now. Like there are so many challenges all of us deal with. And it would be nice if we all had a little bit more empathy for each other to understand those. So I'm asking all of you out there, the fun loving types, 
and my serious nerds come together right now. <laughs> Please find a way to work together. I don't want one of you traded to another team. I want you to pass the ball to each other and dunk and have an amazing winning moment where you come together. Let's do that instead. So while I wish I was giving you the final answer of exactly how to achieve this, like the main points I always go back to, if you're trying to find the balance, if you're trying to strike the balance, it's about letting people know your expectations up front. It's nice to let people know the practice plan at the beginning of practice where you tell them, hey, we're going to work really hard for the first like 45 minutes of practice here on these skill drills, on these endurance drills. These are your veggies. But then I promise we're going to spend like the next 45 minutes scrimmaging and it's going to be amazing. And we're going to work on our teamwork and we're going to work on some plays and we're going to have so much fun doing it. And then at the end of practice, we're going to do a fun drill, a game type of drill, some sort of fun little competition or just some drill that everybody genuinely loves doing so that you go home on a high. And that way also, maybe if you had any bummed out feelings during the scrimmage because your team didn't do well, you can kind of, um, clear some of those out of your mind. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that this was a fun conversation and a fun look back at some basketball history. I promise to move on to different subjects after this. And if you have any ideas of topics you'd like to hear about during uh, this time, feel free to send those in. Like always, I am still accepting new topics and I would love to hear from you. Normally at this point in the show, I would be giving some thank yous for social media shares, but unfortunately, for the first time in podcast history, I forgot to share the episode on social media last week. Wow. Okay. Um, my update on my concussion recovery is that I did get a referral this week to a clinic that specializes in concussion treatment and I am waiting for them to call me and I plan on calling them on Monday to maybe get things moving a little quicker and I hope I have some really good news for you soon and I hope that maybe if I share a little bit more details about this journey that it will help others out there um, in the future who might go through a similar thing. I'm uh, more optimistic now than I've ever been about it because I might get to learn something I don't know and get better. <laughs> Thank you to our patrons on Patreon for always being so supportive, especially our top tier patrons, Sheila Stryker, Bye Felicia, Stevie Kicks, Rachel White, Tara Wevenson, and the training team at Charlotte Roller Derby. Thank you to Genergy, our transcriber, for being so awesome and typing out these words each week. And they're available for free on Patreon. You can go check them out. And uh, thank you to our sponsors, Roller Derby Athletics and Bout Betty's. Really appreciate your support in keeping the show going. And hey, if you have a minute, I haven't gotten a new review since March. It would be really cool to have some new reviews for the podcast. So if you have a second, go on Apple, punch those stars, and maybe uh, say a kind word or two. That would be super because it helps people find the podcast. And 
when Derby gets fully up and going again, I would love for people to find it very easily. Thank you so much for listening this week. We have been talking about Derby and sharing Derby thoughts. Pew, pew! Thank you for listening to another episode of Power Through the Fourth Whistle Roller Derby Podcast. I really hope those laser beams of positivity will carry through your day. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Facebook or on Instagram or Twitter at Power Fourth Whistle. That's P-O-W-E-R, the number four, T-H-W-H-I-S-T-L-E. You can find fun videos of On and Off Skates training at our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Instagram. You could also support the podcast on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. The benefits of becoming a patron include fun stuff I can send you, like stickers, buttons, or shirts from our Threadless store. You can get access to our Discord server, bonus content, and free giveaways. Plus, patrons now have access to an ad-free version of the podcast that will download to your favorite podcast app each week, and everyone can access our transcribed episodes at patreon.com slash powerforthwhistle. If you like the content we provide and want to support us on this journey, please consider becoming a patron. If you want to expand your derby wardrobe, of course, another way to support the podcast is visiting our store at powerforthwhistle.threadless.com, where you can get our designs on just about any type of apparel or accessory you can dream up. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast anywhere you can. Leaving reviews is still the best way to help this podcast be found and spread those laser beams of positivity to more humans. Plus, it's a way you can give back that is completely free. Open up your Apple Podcast app, punch those stars, and leave me a pew pew!